Welcome to Ask Prop Brewer. I'm David Brewer, Acting President and Academic Dean at Cornerstone Bible Institute in beautiful Hot Springs, South Dakota. I also teach Bible, Theology, Hebrew, and Greek. Thanks so much for joining me. In today's session, I'm beginning a new series on Micah 5.2, Hope in the Midst of a Depraved Society. Now, Micah had prophesied to a society that had ex- experienced economic prosperity and selfish materialism, which led to their downfall. Now, does this sound familiar to you? Can you think of any culture that that shares um, shares that with uh, what Micah was prophesying to? And just to uh, stress something that I forgot to mention, Micah prophesied about the same time as Amos and the book of Isaiah. So this particular society that Micah was, was uh, speaking out against quickly spiraled downward with a whole bunch of things. Unlawful seizure of Ju- uh, fields. If you look at Micah 2, 1 and 2. Theft. Chapter 2, verse 2. The exploitation of women and children. Micah 2, verse 9. Corrupt leadership. Can you think of any leadership that's corrupt nowadays? I'm sure it didn't take you more than a tenth of a second to uh, to think of some. And that's in chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. Unethical business practices, Micah 6, 10 through 12. Violence, chapter 7, verse 2. And bribery, Micah 7, verse 3. Now before we zoom in on Micah 5, 2, I want to do like an overview of Micah 3 through 5. And some of this is taken from Andy Woods's. Uh, detailed overview of the book of Micah. So we have this theme back and forth. I guess it's a couple themes. We have judgment with hope. Remember we talked about that with Isaiah? It's very similar here to where Isaiah 7 gives some hope that this Messiah would be born of a virgin and that would that would encourage the people thinking well if Ahaz is killed and he's in the line of David that this promise that there be a Messiah that come from David, that would be that would perish as well. So God encourages them with this long-term prophecy and then the short-term prophecy in Isaiah 7, then proceeds to talk about judgment in the rest of 7 and 8, going back to this blessing of the Messiah being born in Isaiah 9, 1 to 7, the last series that we did. So that fills in more information about this coming Messiah that I... Isaiah 7 uh, also talked about this Messiah, would be born of a virgin, but the 9 gives more information about him. And then starting in 9 8 through chapter 10, guess what we have then? Well, after the hope and after this hope in the future, then he goes back to judgment. And then chapter 11 of Isaiah goes back to hope. So it goes back and forth in Isaiah 13 to 23, the whole section, more judgment. Okay, so let's go through Micah 3 to 5, like the theme. So we have all these injustices, and this uh, also in the midst of the injustices, there would be this alternate manifestation of the Messianic kingdom, and that's focused in on, on in chapters 3 through 5, and that's Micah's second oracle in 3 through 5. His first oracle is Micah 1, 1 and 2, and then the third one is Micah 6 and 7. So we talked about some sins before. There's a lot of social sins that he focuses on in the leadership in chapter 3. So first he notes the sin of the rulers in chapter 3, 1 to 3. And then their coming covenant judgment in chapter 3, verse 4. Now they were under the Mosaic Covenant, 
They broke that covenant so they would be judged for it. He also talks about the sin of the prophets. Do you know any false prophets today who are falsely claiming peace? Because that's what the people want to hear. Most people like to tickle ears, so that's Micah 3, verse 5. And their respective judgment in chapter 3, 6, and 7. So it's especially horrible to look at these sins of the prophets, especially when you contrast their sin with how upright Micah was in his own ministry in chapter 3, verse 8 of Micah. So he notes the power that he gets from, the, from God in 3, 8, his sense of justice in the same verse, and then his ambition to enforce God's covenant in chapter 3, verse 8. And then in chapter 3, 9 to 11, Micah zooms in on the social sins of the Jerusalem hierarchy, and he shows how these covenant violations would lead to uh, one of the consequences of disobeying the Mosaic Covenant would be Jerusalem's leveling in chapter 3, verse 12. So there's a whole bunch of sins that he talks about here. 3, 9 include injustice. And we talked about the corrupt leadership in chapter 3, 1 to 9. Violence in 3, 10. Materialism in 3, verse 11. And false optimism. Just because the temple is there doesn't mean everything's going to be hunky-dory. That's what the people thought. That's the last part of chapter 3, verse 11 of Micah. So in summary, the, so the social sins of the nation's leaders had brought in this uh, uh, judgment that would be no turning back because of their, their breaking the Mosaic Covenant. So despite the harsh, imminent judgment soon to come, the prophet interjects... Can you take a guess what the prophet's going to do? So this alternation between judgment and then what's after that? Well, if you said hope, future hope, you'd be correct. So he interjects this future hope by describing the future messianic kingdom in chapters 4 and 5. So he builds hope in this remnant by comparing their, their, their present atmosphere that they had of the social injustice because of the corrupt leadership of chapter 3 to the perfection of the future Messianic kingdom in chapters 4 and 5. So he describes the nation's future preeminence. If you look at Micah 4, uh, 1 to 5. And by the way, Micah 4, 1 to 3 is almost word for word the same as Isaiah 2, 2 through 4. Now we won't get into all the detail, but some people wonder how this can be. It's actually pretty easy to figure out. More than likely, probably both Micah and Isaiah received the same prophecy independently from, the, from God's Spirit, or both prophets could have uh, drawn from an unknown source. So that's probably the most likely. Okay, so let's keep going. So this is the nation's future preeminence, 4, 1 to 5. The gathering and restoration of the people in 4, 6 to 8 the return from Babylon in 4, 9, and 10. And that would have been quite shocking that people uh, found out here that they would be taken captive to Babylon. And that would have been a surprise because the original audience uh, would have seen in their culture Assyria would have been dominant and they would be more powerful than Babylon. So they're thinking, well, what's going to happen to make Assyria uh, diminish in power and Babylon increase in power? Well, the next century, because Micah prophesied in the 700s, well, later on they'd find out in the 600s that Assyria would be, would be destroyed. It happened in 612 B.C., 
And then the new kid, the new power on the block would be Babylon uh, then. So let's keep going. Okay, so then we have this uh, return from Babylon in 4, 9, and 10. And then there'd be victory over her gloating enemies, and that's in 4, 11, and 13. Now that's probably prediction of the Babylonian, um, no, not the Babylonian captivity. That would be prediction of campaign of Armageddon in the future. Now we talked about that in the past, where all these nations will come against Israel. So that's probably what 4, 11 to 13 is referring to. We see that in Zechariah 12 and Zechariah 14. And then Micah notes that the current subjugation of Zedekiah in chapter 5, verse 1, would be replaced by a Jewish Messiah's first advent and second advent. So the first advent in chapter 5, verse 2, and then the, the second advent in chapter 5, uh, chapter, yeah, chapter 5, verses 3 through the first part of chapter uh, verse 5. Say that again. I messed that up. So the second advent, first advent, 5-2. The second advent is chapter 5, verses 3 through the first half of verse 5. Now I got it right that time. Boy, I just uh, can't get this right today. Okay, so this same Messiah, I, I know you'll forgive me for that. This Messiah would not only save Israel from her enemies, if you look at chapter 5, the second half of verse 5 through verse 6, but he would also regather and deliver the remnant in chapter 5, verses 7, 9. So a lot to look forward to. So further, he would cleanse Israel in chapter 5, verses 10 to 15 by removing her all of her weapons so that the end result of that, no weaponry, that they would, they would trust solely and only in God, which is they should have done in the first place, chapter 5, Verses 10 and 11. He would also remove her occultism in, ch in chapter 5, verse 12, her idolatry in chapter 5, 13 and 14, and her enemies in chapter 5, verse 15. So in sum, while all these social injustices in the nation's leaders would bring quick judgment in chapter 3, the nation could still have hope that her present very depressing situation would eventually be replaced by the perfect conditions of the Messianic kingdom in chapters 4 and 5. So the people then would have been very kind of depressed, and they would have needed encouragement uh, because of this downward moral spiral that we talked about before with the unlawful seizure of fields and theft and exploiting women and children, the corrupt leadership and unethical business practices, the violence and the bribery. So, and they would be destroyed quickly. But God does punish his people, but he, he is going to keep his promise of them and restore them. So Michael clearly described this judgment, but he also encouraged them with the wonderful hope that because of the birth of their Messiah in chapter 5, verse 2. And that this Messiah would come to banish all sin, and he would be born to reign righteously over Israel. Now, we all know that our society is also rapidly going downhill, but we're encouraged by Micah's prophecy about Jesus' first and second comings, and we look forward to that second coming. That begins with the rapture, which is before the seven-year tribulation. So now we talked about before this pattern that Micah has. Let's say this, that one more time to get that, everyone get that deeply in their brains. He alternates between present crises followed by encouraging messages of future deliverance. 
So we should be thrilled to know that someday Jesus would come to snatch us away at the rapture, as we talked about a little bit ago, in a return to the earth followed by the church on horses in Revelation 19, 11 to 16, after a future seven-year judgment called the tribulation. And then he will reign on a restored earth for a thousand years with the help of the universal church. Now we looked at that Micah 4, 1 to 8 before. Let's talk about this one more time. Let's describe some characteristics of this thousand year reign. You'll, you'll, you will hear me repeat things uh, sometimes because it's this new to a lot of people. So I think repetition is always a, a good thing. So a number of things you'll see if you just look through Micah 4, 1 to 8. People all over the world would be attracted to Jerusalem. Well, you don't see that now. Uh, some people are, you know, like believers are for sure, but we'll talk about in general around the world. The UN is always passing these ridiculous resolutions against Israel, but they never focus on North Korea or Iran or many other countries that have uh, that the true uh, nations that really break these human rights, have these human rights violations. Anyway, the second thing, everyone would receive instruction from Jerusalem. The third characteristic, the Lord would be a perfect judge and king. There would be universal peace. People would live in security and peace and be spiritually sensitive to God. And then Jerusalem would have dominion. And then there will be a worldwide disarmament and no more wars. And uh, also make sure you look at those verses we talked about a few minutes ago, Micah 4. 11 to 13, which describes a time in the future when all the nations would gather against Israel. Not the war of Armageddon, but the campaign. It's a series of wars. Go back and listen to my career at the Antichrist series that I did. And make sure you also read Zechariah 12, 1 to 9, alongside of Zechariah 14, verses 1 to 5. And also Revelation 16. So all those passages harmonize very well together. So before I close, I'd like to make you aware that Cornerstone has a lot of courses online, and we've been recording a lot of classes, a number of classes that go to our website at www.cornerstonebibleinstitute.com to find out more information. And also feel free to look up my website, askproper.com, where you'll find many resources for furthering your personal Bible study. So thank you so much for joining me in today's Ask Prop Brewer. I appreciate you taking the time to listen in. I know there's other things you could be doing. You could be taking a nap or something. But you could always pause my podcast and take a nap. That's a great idea, right? So I'll see you next time on Ask Prop Brewer. Love you all. Shalom. Bye-bye.